from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. So this man, uh, I guess you could say he was known for death. He was obsessed with dead bodies. And how about we just don't speak of what he may have done with them? And you know who I'm talking about. Or maybe you don't. We read about him in the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 5. Starting in verse 3. It says, This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So it says this man lived in the tombs. And this man may well have actually lived in a graveyard, but scholars, historians, uh, they tell us that this was probably a euphemism. What's a euphemism? Well, the the dictionary uh, definition is uh, euphemism is a mild or indirect word or expression substitute for one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. We all use euphemisms. Uh, Examples, I'm between two jobs right now, which sounds nicer than I'm unemployed. A woman says, I have to go powder my nose instead of I have to go poop in the toilet. Uh, People used to say, she's the kind of girl who hangs out at the dock instead of she's willing to have sex with sailors when they come ashore. And apparently back then, he lives in the tombs was mild, indirect expression substituted for he's a necrophiliac and or he is a cannibal. This guy was a monster who was very likely attracted to dead bodies, maybe ate dead bodies. People, they didn't know what to do about him. Says they chained him up hoping to stop him, but he could not be stopped. So question, how does God feel about someone like that? And we've been talking about God being for us. Is God for someone like that? What does Jesus do with someone like that? In September, Netflix released a a new show called Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Now, I'm not suggesting you watch it. It is at times uh, grotesque and disturbing because it's the true story of Jeffrey Dahmer. If you're old enough, you remember when it came out in the news. On July 22nd, 1991, Jeffrey Dahmer was arrested. And it was soon discovered, in part because he confessed, that Dahmer had killed 17 people, all men, some as young as 14, and that he had done heinous things to their corpses, including eating their dead flesh. Dahmer was put on trial, found guilty, put in prison for life. Uh, This was not in the Netflix show, but in April of 1994, an interview with Dahmer was aired on TV. In the interview, Dahmer said that he wished he could just find a little peace. Uh, There was a Christian watching the interview who decided to send Dahmer a Bible 
correspondence course. It was a book where you read Bible verses and then you answer questions on them and then you send it back. So Dahmer takes this Bible course, teaches him all about Jesus, who Jesus is, why he came, what he did for us. It teaches him how to say yes to God's offer. And Dahmer does all of it. Then he writes to the person, but I still have one problem. This prison does not have a baptismal tank. And Mr. Burkham, the prison chaplain, is not sure if he can find someone to bring a tank in and baptize me. I've taken all the other steps. So pastors in the area are contacted. Most refuse to go see Dahmer at all. I will not go see that man. Finally, one, a Roy Ratcliffe, who is the minister of the Madison Church of Christ, says yes. Ratcliffe sets up weekly Bible lessons with Dahmer. Uh, Ratcliffe later said that in these week-after-week Bible lessons that Dahmer had a lot of trouble uh, believing God's grace could extend to someone who had done the horrible things he had done. Uh, He wrote, um, this pastor wrote, I had to explain the meaning of grace and how it was applied many times before he was able to relax this concern. Once he could see that being a Christian made him right in God's sight, no matter what, he was able to lay aside many of his fears. And then after Dahmer learned again through this Bible teaching of God's grace and what Jesus did for him and said yes again, he was baptized. Uh, Soon, Dahmer sent $5 worth of stamps to get 24, I'm sorry, 25 more copies of the Bible correspondence course, uh, which he then started distributing to other inmates so they could do the Bible correspondence course. On November 28, 1994, Donmer was killed in prison by another inmate. And his soul went somewhere for all eternity. And at this point, you have a bunch of questions, right? We have questions. Well, let's see if we can answer them. What I want to do is I want to pretend that like you and I sit down for coffee. Maybe you just watched the Netflix show, I'm a pastor, you've got some questions. And and I'll just try to answer them in the most honest and uh, biblical way I can, okay? Uh, But before I get into the questions, I I think we need to make sure that we have the same basic foundational understanding. Like, we need to, right? Like, if we were going to have a conversation about football, but I was thinking of football, and you were thinking of football, well, our, our whole conversation wouldn't make sense because we're not talking about the same thing. Or if I, you know, in a conversation, I said chili and you thought I meant, but I was actually talking about we're in trouble, right? If, if we don't have the same basic foundational understanding, our questions and answers won't mean the same thing. So, so let, let's make sure we have the same basic foundational understanding of the teaching of the Bible. Christianity, then we can dive into the questions, okay? So um, here we go. God is love, and God loves you. God is our Father, our perfect Father. We are His children. Um, And I, I remember the first time I held each of my kids in my hands, magic. It's magic. I didn't know them. They hadn't done a single commendable or impressive thing, but I loved them like over 
overwhelming, crazy love. They, they, they didn't do anything to earn my love, and they couldn't do anything to lose my love. And God is love. He is a perfect father who loves you with a perfect love. You are not perfect. Is that cool? Can we agree on that, right? Yeah, yes, and, and you, you and I sin. Uh, the Bible says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. What is sin? Well, the, the easiest way to think about it is that sin is missing the mark. It's not doing what God wants us to do. Uh, God wants us to live selfless lives of love. Sin is choosing what is selfish and not loving. And we all do that. But sin is deeper than that. Sin is rebellion against God. God is He's love, but also God is God, and he should be our authority. When we sin, what we're saying is, no, no, I'm in charge of my life. Sin is divorce from God. God is relational. He wants a real relationship with you now and forever. When we sin, we're saying, God, I don't choose you. There's things I would rather have than you. Sin is separates, and it separates us from God. Sin is also a disease. It's more than just uh, bad decisions we make. It's like a cancer. It starts small, and it grows, and it starts to take over. The Apostle Paul, who is one of the, the greatest, most committed to Jesus Christians ever, wrote about this in uh, Romans, a letter he wrote that we have a book as a book of the Bible, chapter seven, he, he says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. We've all seen this in our own lives, right? It's not just that you choose to sin, you sin even when you don't want to sin. It can feel like you have no power over it. In fact, God tells us that our sin leaves us powerless. It leaves us dead. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead, dead because you sinned and fought against God. And so you lose spiritual life, and someday you lose physical life, and you have no power to do anything about it. But despite all this, God still loves you because you're his kid. You didn't have to earn his love. There's nothing you could do to lose it. Um, back when I was in college, my mom was a, a grammar school teacher, and one of her students made national news. Uh, Eric Smith was 13 years old when he murdered a four-year-old in the woods. It was un thinkable. It was awful. It was, he did it intentionally. Um, it, they, they did a story about it on, I, I think it was like 60 Minutes or something like that. And I watched in my college dorm room because it's my mom's student. I can't believe this huge national story is it's my mom's student. And so I remember they had Eric Smith, little Eric Smith, the murderer, his parents on. And they, they asked, they said, everyone is saying that your son is a monster. What do you say? There was this long, uncomfortable pause. And finally, the father says, he may be a monster, but he's still our pride and joy. 
And it was, it was hard for me to think of that kid because of what he had done as being anyone's pride and joy. But at the same time, it was their kid. And so you get it. And you're God's kid. No matter what you've done, you are still his pride and joy. So uh, God came up with a solution for our sin problem. The solution is Jesus. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus came, and Jesus lived a human life, a perfect human life. He never sins, never misses the mark, never rebels, no divorce, no sin disease. Then Jesus died a substitutionary death. He took our place. Uh, that, that kid, Eric Smith, when he was in jail, he read an apology letter to the little boy's family, and he said, um, he said, if I could go back in time, I would switch places with Derek and endure all the pain I've caused him. If it meant that he could go on living, I would switch places, but I can't. He couldn't switch places with someone else. He couldn't take someone else's pain or, or take their death. But Jesus could, and Jesus did. Jesus switched places with us. He took what we deserve. You know, we, we all want justice for sin, except when it's our sin. You know, but, but, but if someone else commits some crime, we think they should be punished because we know there should be consequences. There should be punishment for sin. There should be justice. That's right. There has to be. And that's what Jesus died to do, to take our place by taking our sin and taking our punishment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And then in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Christ is the sacrifice that takes away our sins. And Jesus came and lived a perfect human life. Then Jesus died a substitutionary death. Then Jesus rose from the dead. He experienced a powerful resurrection. And it's his resurrection that gives us the power to overcome the debilitating disease part of sin. Remember, we don't want to sin, but it's like sin has power over us and we're powerless over it. We, we need power we don't possess. And God gives it through Jesus' resurrection. Remember the, the verse uh, in Ephesians that said you are dead because of your sin? And it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And it also says in Ephesians, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same power, mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. For whom though? Well, 
for whomever says yes to his offer, to his invitation. It's offered to everyone, but not everyone will get it. Only those who say yes. And you say yes, the Bible says, through faith, repentance, and baptism. Uh, faith mean, meaning uh, you put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. If, if you don't believe you sinned, if you don't believe Jesus lived a sinless life, if, if you don't believe his death can take your sin away, then what Jesus did on the cross doesn't count for you. You have to believe. Acts 17.31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You, you believe and you repent. Repent meaning you turn from wanting sin to wanting Jesus. Acts 3.19 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sin may be wiped away. So you come to this realization that Jesus is what you've been looking for, what you really want. And so, yeah, you're still tempted to sin. Other things still look attractive, but more than anything, you want Jesus. You want to be with Jesus. That's why he came. That's what you're saying yes to, a relationship with Jesus. God loves you. He wants to be with you. Remember before you said, God, I don't choose you. Now you're saying, God, I do choose you. You're excited to live every day with him. You look forward to heaven because you want to be with him more. You want to be with Jesus and you want to follow Jesus. You want to obey Jesus. Remember before you said, I'm in charge of my life. But now you're saying, God, I want you to be in charge of my life. You love him, you trust him, and you want to do whatever he says. You say yes through faith, repentance, and in baptism. Baptism, meaning that you are immersed in water, a picture of a death to your old life, and then a rebirth into a new life as you're raised up out of the water. It's a picture of a spiritual washing away of your sin. Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Man, we're, we're doing baptisms um, this Thursday night here in Vegas. If you're here in Vegas at our worship night, 7.02 p.m. right here in this building, um, maybe you've put your faith in Jesus. You've repented. You want Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. Or, or maybe you were baptized when you were like a little kid, but it wasn't really you choosing it for the right reasons. If so, if you're able to be here Thursday night, why don't you get baptized? Um, if you're interested in that, you can let us know at verb.cc. If you're not here in, Ver you're in Vegas, but you want to get baptized, let us know. We'll help you figure that out for sure. Verb.cc, let us know if you're thinking about getting baptized. This invitation is open to everyone. Why? Why would God make it open to everyone? Because everyone is a child of God. But, Jeffrey Dahmer? Hmm. Now we can talk about Jeffrey Dahmer, okay? Now that we got same basic, okay? Would all this apply to him? How does God feel about Jeff Dahmer? Is God for him? What does Jesus do with someone like that? And that first brings us back to the monster in Mark chapter 5. Remember, he lived in the tombs, whatever that means. He, he, was, he was a lot like Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, what I didn't tell you is the area he lived in. He lived in the region of the Gerasenes, which was part of an area called the Decapolis, the Ten Cities. Uh, this was an area faithful Jewish people considered dark and evil and did not go uh, to it. It was, it was an area where the unfaithful lived and you just don't go there. So, so what does Jesus do with a monster of a man who lives in a place where you do not go? 
Answer, he goes to him. He reaches out in love with grace and power. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. You guys, you have no idea how shocking this was. And not only does he go to the dark, godless region of the Gerasenes, he goes straight to the most sinful man in the whole area, the monster. Read the story, Mark chapter 5. It's it's incredible. The interaction they have completely and radically changes the man's life. In fact, all the people from the town come, and they are shocked. They're confused. Like, it's so confusing, they're afraid. How did this man who was a monster, how has he been changed? And and why are you here, Jesus? And why would you go to him? And that they don't understand the power of Jesus and, and how he's able to do something so dramatic in this man's life. Listen, God's power is beyond what you can imagine. It can change a life, can completely change a life, any life, every life. God's power and God's love is beyond what you can imagine. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on you meeting standards. He is love and he loves you. If you meet the conditions, he loves you. If you don't meet the conditions, he loves you. You can't earn his love or send your way out of his love. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more and nothing you can do to make him love you less. God's love is indestructible, it's invincible, and it's inexhaustible. And God's love reaches out. It crosses a lake. It comes to you. And God's love also reaches out to Jeffrey Dahmer. Because as messed up as he was, as much of a monster as he was, he was still God's kid. And if uh, if you've watched the show, you see that tension in Jeff's dad. Uh, Jeff's father is horrified, horrified by what his son has done. But at the same time, he can't stop loving his son. And I think God was horrified by what his son, Jeffrey Dahmer, did. But he couldn't stop loving his son. God's love reaches out even to a Jeffrey Dahmer. It's been said that the gospel, which is the message that Jesus came and died for you so you could, so you could have God and life with God, It's been said that the gospel is good news for everybody or it isn't good news for anybody. Okay, well, we got questions, right? Let's get to the questions. I'll try to answer them. Question, what about all his sin or all the horrible things he did? I think that question is saying, but what he did is not okay. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It should be punished. Justice demands that. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. God does not minimize sin. You don't have to worry about that. Sin will be punished. Everyone has a choice. The choice is you can be punished for your sin, or you can let Jesus take the punishment for your sin. And can I point out that your sin is not okay either. You know, we, we feel like ours isn't so bad. Dahmer's is bad. Well, but maybe there's someone who's a lot more holy than you who might look at you and say, my sin isn't so bad. He's bad. 
the, the truth is, it's all bad. It's all bad. But the question, let's, let's just be honest. Maybe you'd say, yeah, but isn't Dahmer's sin worse? Right? It, it's, it's not the same. In one sense, yes, that is totally true. We all know that all sin is not the same, right? If, if you were told, hey, I happen to know that your spouse admired, perhaps a little lustfully, someone with a great body, that would not be good. That'd be sin. But it, but it would be better than someone telling you your spouse had sex with someone with a great body, right? Uh, yelling at someone is, in traffic is bad, but not as bad as shooting at someone in traffic, right? Sin is different in that the consequences that happen are different. So in that sense, yes, Dahmer sins are worse than yours. But there's another sense in which our sin is all the same. Because even one sin will keep us out of heaven. Because heaven is a perfect, sinless place. You can't get in there with sin. That's why Jesus had to die to take away all our sins. And another sense in which our sin is the same is that God's power and love and grace is so amazing, he can forgive any sin, not only the lesser ones, but even the ones that seem a lot worse as well. Jesus' death can take away even Jeffrey Dahmer's sins. Wait! Another question. So Dahmer did all this stuff and then at the last minute believes in Jesus? Yeah, that's true. And, and it is always far better if a person can have as much of their life with God in it as possible. But if you come to faith at the last minute, Jesus' death counts for you and God is going to welcome you in. Remember, God loves everyone, wants everyone with him. Uh, in, in the Bible, we see a criminal who's being crucified next to Jesus. He puts his faith in Jesus at the last moment. And Jesus' response was not, well, isn't that convenient? Or, sorry, Charlie, too late. Nope, Jesus says in uh, Luke chapter 23, says, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I, I can tell you this, um, I want everyone to come to faith as early in their life as possible because a life of faith, a life with God, following Jesus is the best life there is. But I have people I love who don't believe yet. And if it doesn't happen sooner, I am praying that they put their faith in Jesus at the last minute. Okay, okay, but another question. What if his faith wasn't real, right? Jeffrey Dahmer, what if his faith wasn't real? What if he just wanted to be forgiven and just wanted to go to heaven and he didn't really put his faith in Jesus? He didn't really repent. What if it's not real? Then it's not real. I mean, God won't be fooled. Right? I, I think it's funny when people say, well, what if his faith wasn't real? That's not fair. Do you think God's gonna let someone into heaven and then they're gonna be like, ha, gotcha, I don't really believe in Jesus. And God's going to be like, oh, no, what did I do? I'm so gullible. No, no. That person might be fooled, right? Whether it's Jeffrey Dahmer or anyone else who claims faith in Jesus, but for the wrong reasons, they might fool themselves into thinking that they fooled God. But no, Jesus says that there's going to be many 
many on the day of judgment who come to him and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, no, 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 no. I never knew you. Also, listen, ready? Listen carefully. Someone who just pretended to have faith and pretended to repent so they could go to heaven when they die wouldn't want to go to heaven when they die. They think they would because they think heaven is like this eternal party. But no, heaven is where you go to be with God. Heaven does not, heaven does not contain God. God contains heaven. God is everywhere in heaven. You will be with him. He will be your Lord. Someone who doesn't want that, who doesn't want to be with God, doesn't want God to be my authority, would not, not want to be in heaven. And so if Jeffrey Dahmer's decision wasn't real, he just wanted to go to heaven when he dies, God won't be fooled. And Jeffrey Dahmer wouldn't really want to go to heaven anyway. But if his decision was real, if his faith was real, if he truly repented, he turned from his sins and to Jesus. He truly wanted Jesus more than anything. Then yes, God would forgive Jeffrey Dahmer. God's love is that big. And God's power is big enough to change Jeffrey Dahmer's heart, to change his life, who he is. And I'll end with this. Man, is this good news. This is such good news, right? I mean, if the answer was something other than this, then we would all have to, to wonder, well, if God can't forgive Jeffrey Dahmer's sins, am I sure he can forgive mine? If Jeffrey Dahmer was too evil for God, well, how do I know that I'm good enough? But that's not how it works. You are God's kids. You don't have to earn his love. You can't lose it. If you've ever thought, God couldn't love someone like me, you're wrong. God couldn't not love someone like you because God is love. If God stopped loving you, he'd stop being God. And this, whew, this is really good news for you, for me, and it's good news for our friends. But we all know people who don't know God, don't know God's love, doubt God could be for them, doubt God could love them, could forgive them. Yes, he could, he does, he will. We need to let them know. Like Jesus, we need to go across the lake to let that one person know. You are loved by God. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves imperfect you with a perfect love. Now, Christmas is uh, it's just right around the corner now, and it is a great time to help people know God and his love. How about this? For our Christmas services coming up on December 23rd and 24th, here in person and online, I will preach the best message I possibly can on God's love for messy monsters like us. And you get as many people as you can here at Verve, watching online. Um, man, get people here. Uh, invite your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your barista, your garbage man. Invite everybody. God is for all of them. We need to let them know. And let's use Christmas to do that. Um, before uh, Christmas is December 8th, this Thursday. And if you're here in Vegas, we're doing this night of worship and baptism. 
maybe that's your night. Maybe it's re you're ready to be baptized. Remember, if so, you can let us know at verb.cc. Right now, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you. So let's pray. God, this is, this is difficult. Ah, these are tough questions. Um, they're, they're, it's real, right? It's really happened. And you, you, what about the people um, whose families, you know, were destroyed by what he did? There's so many questions, God. But, but at the foundation, the one thing we can be sure of is you are love. Your love is so big that you, that you will forgive any of your kids who put their faith in Jesus, who repent, who truly want to turn from their sins and want Jesus and who get baptized. God, would you help us to want you more than we want anything else? Help us to know your love because that will lead us to love you. God, help that love to just flow out of us, spill out of us, and help us to, to show it to everyone we meet and to invite people to come and meet you here. We pray all this in Jesus' name.